0: Judy, you got a few
1: minutes, man. Well, today I wanted to share with you uh, with some of the things that affected me over the three times I've been to India. Um, we were going to a, a village that had been isolated from all of India for several hundred years, has its own unique version of Tamil, its own unique version of uh, Hinduism, and they've never heard uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ preached. You know, it was something that I had only read about. You know, missionaries going to some far corner of the world where they have never, at any point, heard of Jesus. You know, we live in a land that everyone knows about Jesus. We usually are working with people who think they're they're pretty well alright, they're saved anyway, they've been to church. You know, and uh, that that's what really and. Uh, affected me the most. You know, that's what I took away from it. If I could, I would like you to uh, turn to Acts 17, 10.
0: See, you're getting ahead on your reading plan. That's
1: today's reading mm. Someone could read from 10 to uh, through 11.
2: As soon as
1: it
3: was night
1: the on now when I was reading this I uh, kind of make the comparison you know someone who has been going to synagogue who has been reading the word and they didn't still didn't receive it they didn't Listened to what they were saying, they they thought they were pretty well all right already, you know. And the uh, Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians. They were doing the same things, but they accepted what they were saying. They they took it to heart. And I you know I was thinking about what I saw in India. People who've never heard the gospel and lived all their lives under the, the Hinduism and the oppression of it. They, when they heard of it they they, they began to light up and someone who had never heard of Jesus had never felt him in his enti- in their entire life you know it, it, it was something that shocked me you know growing up in america as a as a pastor 's son you know i i 've always been around that culture it's you know it 's something that 's ingrained in me and as most of you in the room uh, if you could turn to uh, Matthew ten <laughs> thirteen. There. 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 Hey, someone can read 13 15. <laughs> If the house is worthy, could it? peace. But if not, back blessing, Hey, Cody. I'm sorry. Uh, Mark, not Matthew. That was my mistake. <laughs> 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 They're bringing children to him
0: so that he may touch them. But the
2: disciples them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indigenous and said to him, Permit children to come
1: to me, do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child, do not enter it at all. You know, I was thinking about the difference between us and some of the other cultures around the world that haven't heard of Jesus. You know, the people who have the open heart, who are willing to act like children, who are willing to follow after Him, and not consider, well, does this fit in what I've been learning all my life and that I've accepted? You know, I, the, the difference is someone else. They were open to it. They, they, they weren't. Uh, they didn't think they were already all right. And they were willing to follow after God like a child. Amen. Amen. Uh, you know, I uh, said earlier that I had uh, grown up as in a Christian home uh, under a pastor. You know, and the reason I'm sharing this is because this is what affected me over the three times I've been to India. That it applies to me just as much as anyone else in the room. You know, it, this is something that has changed my life. Uh, you know, I, I want to be like the Bereans. I don't want to be like the Thessalonians. I don't want to be the one who hears the message, but doesn't accept it because it's not what I previously had thought. It's not what I had, you know, thought God only did. And I also wanted to share a testimony with you guys. Uh, After we were driving back from that village where we were praying with people who had never heard of the Lord and were doing His will, my eardrum uh, began to pressurize. It previously had been burst. I was uh, supposed to have surgery scheduled when I came back. It uh, wasn't supposed to heal on its own. It did not pressurize going up and down on the airplanes. And uh, for water to get in it was very painful because there was no uh, seal in between my nasal cavity and my ear. So uh, this is something that I was kind of struggling with uh, on the mission field, you know, showering with buckets and stuff and sleeping on dirt floors. You know, I, it, it was an issue, and the Lord uh, began to heal it, and it pressurized as we were go- coming down from the mountain with the pressure change. And uh, several days later on my birthday, the Lord uh, confirmed that it had been healed when we went out on the ocean, and I, I got in, and water didn't go through into my nasal cavity. It, uh, it, it stayed sealed, and then I was able to dive down deep into the water, and uh, it pressurized the Lord had the Lord had completely healed my ear when it was impossible for it to be done it was supposed to have surgery scheduled when I came back
0: Judah got out of the boat and found out he was in the hands of the Lord Amen? Amen. Yeah, you decree? Hey, give Judah a hand. That's all. I'll tell you a secret. It's easier for an 11-year-old to preach than it is a 15-year-old. <coughs> At that age, they have a consciousness about what everyone thinks all of the time, right? But the testimony that God is putting in the youth in our church is a good one. In India, by the way, if you're unmarried, no matter what your age is, your youth, isn't that funny? Mm-hmm. I did I did youth meetings in India and in Sri Lanka. that had people that were forty years old, <laughs> and uh, I said, "Youth meeting, <laughs> that youth is is fully gray." And he uh, said, "It's not marriage; it's a youth." Okay, <laughs> so that's uh, that's that's Asia. How about that? So. Um, Luke, there are a few things I want to show you and then we want to get in the Word. Are y'all happy this morning? Yeah. Yes. Are you lighthearted? Is it okay if we do some unorthodox things? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Joe, give us that first slide. I don't know what they are, so I'll see them as they come. The pictures? Yeah, pictures. The first slide. So, all right, that is in Chennai. And uh, I just took the picture. It was a Thursday night. It's not a particularly busy night. It... uh no, it was not rush hour, this was uh, about 10 o'clock at night, and uh, I just thought it was a pretty setting. It, isn't that different? I mean, you don't want to see that in downtown Sugarland, are you? Yeah? Uh, how, how about the next one, Joy? <laughs> These are not the droids you're looking for. <laughs> wow. So, like I said, it's a beautiful picture. Yeah. <laughs> it won't. Times Square. <laughs> How about that?
2: <coughs>
0: yeah. This is what it looks like when you close your eyes. <laughs> uh, Will y'all play with that and let me know when you have something? Uh, go ahead and. Uh-huh. How about that? We, um, <laughs> we we were outside of a hotel, and that's a little far for you, so you may not be able to see it. Does anybody know what, what's in her hand? An that's an iron. That's an iron that is this big, <laughs> uh, about as big as Cody's foot. And, uh, oh, it's big. heavy. She couldn't pick it up. So how do you iron if you can't pick it up? The weight of the iron presses the shirt flat. She's ironing a white shirt. She just slides back and forth over it, and inside it uh, are little vents because there is a literal fire lit inside of it to heat it. Isn't that something? India's a little different than the U.S. How many of you appreciate that you can plug an appliance in? (laughs) Yeah, that's not how she irons. (coughs) This is a fish market outside of Chennai. Uh, Anybody eating fish this week? Yeah. Yeah. How did you get your fish, Cody? (laughs) <laughs> uh, and when they picked it up, it was neatly wrapped in cellophane. Uh, this is how you get your fish uh, in India. You can go ahead. And this is the major metropolitan area of India. Uh, we need sound, guys. But they're not pushing each other. They're not rude to each other. Why don't you start in again? Lots and lots and lots of people. Uh, I'm gonna kill this light. Hello, church. This is a typical Indian street. Look how busy it is as everybody walks by. But they're not pushing each other. They're not rude to each other. Just lots and lots and lots of people. And uh, this is kind of a little market street. And it just goes and goes and goes. And in every direction, there's just people crammed together. And uh, Jesus loves them all. Come on, in a nation where Christianity is by far the minority, uh, it's an interesting thing to walk down the street and know that every person that you meet is likely a Hindu. The uh, only question is, who do they pray to? What kind of Hindu? And uh, Jesus cares about them. So when we walk into a church, and the church is obsessed with how to make itself bigger, how to make itself more beautiful, how to make itself... Uh, more blessed you have to wonder doesn't Jesus care about those people that are walking down the street isn't the mission of the church to get them the gospel why do we need three million dollar buildings to house four or five hundred people when still most of the world doesn't know you realize between India and China we have the majority of the world's population that's an amazing thing they're the two most populous countries in the world and they don't know They don't know. Go ahead and move forward. Wow. That's kind of a distance for you, but that's a garbage field. Looks just like Mexico, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. How many of you have been to Mexico and seen that? Mm -hmm. Except here, there's cows walking around Mm everywhere. They smoke their beef. (laughs) And nobody will eat them. The cows are pushy in India, they know that they own the place. They they walk around like my dachshund does in the house. isn't that, that that's something? A demonic religion has deprived the people of basic food. Uh, go ahead. This was my least favorite part of India. Uh, I won't go into great detail about this because a picture is worth a thousand words. <laughs> yeah, it's a bucket system. Um. Uh, yeah, we had great international discussions about how this worked. Yeah. I can tell you there's a difference between the hemispheres. You can go ahead and move on.
3: <laughs>
0: this was a pastor's conference. This is in the Kanur area, uh, the Nilgiri. if you look at it on Google Earth. This is a mountainous region about uh, 600 kilometers southwest of Chennai. And if you can see in the very center of the screen in the back, there are men who look like they're glowing white. That's because they're sitting in the sun. Uh, The room filled up, and uh, there were people sitting in the very back, out those back doors, and out each window surrounding the building. So let's imagine that we're going to have a pastor's conference in Sugar Land, Texas, right? How many pastors could we get to gather in a room with no air conditioning? How many pastors could we get to hear a pastor that had no pedigree, nothing to stand on, other than, I've been with Jesus? probably not going to happen, is it? How many pastors are we going to be able to get to go to one three-hour uh, worship service? Three hours. How about if there were two three-hour service? Well, let's go ahead and kick it up to three. Let's just say that the meeting started at 9 a.m. and ended at 12 that evening. How many pastors would go? More than 90 men who are pastors of churches signed into that meeting. There were more than 400 people in attendance. Are they hungry for the gospel there? Many of these people have been preaching longer than I've been alive. But they're humble enough to want to come and hear what the foreigner has to say. Yeah. Uh, and then we can move to the next one. LCMF, India is the land of a thousand gods. It's really interesting to see going back to some 600 years after Jesus, around the time Muhammad was beginning to spread his satanic religion. These things had been in place for many, many, many years. They've dated this site, and uh, these carvings go back to at least 600 A.D., but Hindu worship is some of the oldest in the world. These reliefs are carved straight into the rock face, and all over these mountains are pictures of gods and animals and very strange things, but um, now this land is opening for the gospel. Amen. Uh, Most of it is based on worship of created things rather than the Creator. There was a system in that rock face, and it showed the progression of gods in, its, in this particular way. It all pointed to one, the cobra. How about that? Yeah, of all the things that you could worship, you know, I could cut one into pieces. I could never worship one. Look at this landscape. Uh, sometimes, uh, there was a pastor here not that long ago that uh, told Richard Rogers. Richard came and preached a couple times while I was going, huh? He told Richard Rogers he wasn't about to support him on the mission field. And Richard said, I, I'm confused. Uh, I've been in this church for many years. I, I, did I do something wrong? He goes, I'm not going to pay you to go on vacation.
3: That's
0: what the pastor said. Uh, if you think hiking up and down this is a vacation, I invite you to go with me next year. I lost 45 pounds to go on this trip uh, because the terrain is rugged. And when you see uh, in the movies, where are tigers, where are uh, giant snakes, where are uh, elephants, where are bears, Uh, you don't necessarily think of this terrain. Uh, We always seem to think of the Amazon Basin, but this is where all of these things are. They're in terrain that looks exactly like this. It's really not that much different than Austin, Texas, except it's a lot more dense. Uh, Go ahead, Dave. Uh, This was a a tribal region That we went to To share the gospel And uh, after you've been in the heat For a while That lake looks very Very (laughs) inviting And I asked if I could swim And they said sure And we rounded a corner And uh, we found out That in India They don't have alligators But they do have marsh crocodiles And also a salt water version That is much bigger And uh from Louisiana, this guy was not all that intimidating. This is about six feet. He would probably leave, but the saltwater versions get bigger than your boat. So, uh, we didn't swim. No, we didn't swim. Was nice. This is Indra and Indra's mother. This is a village that for literally more than 300 years, there has never been a Christian in. And Indra is 29 years old. She will never marry. Indra has... Um, No real discernible future Because she is elected to take care of her mother And her mother uh, You may not be able to see from that distance Has dead flesh Where her eyes would be And right above their head Is uh, something out of the picture It is a demon That they worship Who has red skin Canine teeth Horns that come out of the top of his head And he protects them you can feel the oppression when you walk into this village. You can feel it like a weight were sitting on your chest. Husband's wife, you ever had that argument that just will not go away? And it's 2 o'clock in the morning and you feel such despair. Like, like, gosh, the unthinkable may happen. Now you've come out of this many times, but in that moment, for a second, you feel no sense of hope. This village wears that like a blanket. It's very, very tangible. Raja, uh, Israel, uh, how many of you know who Raja is? Raja is something else. I would have loved to have known him when he was 30. He's 65 now, and uh, he's just much demand. Raja said, you wait here. <laughs> and he made his son, me, Judah, a young man named Agenda, and another named Karthik wait in the car. Because if something bad happens while we're in this village for the first time, somebody falls off of a ladder, uh, there's an injury, they will attribute it to our presence in us. So Raja goes and is uh, <laughs> walking down the road, you know, just uh, fearless and starts chatting up some lady and uh, before long they're discussing life in India and their dreams and hopes and futures, and this brave woman allowed us onto her porch. Uh, That's a breakthrough. You know, in Luke 10, Mark 10, Matthew 10, all of these 10s in the Bible, they find a home of peace. One house that's willing to get right with God. And if from that house they'll get right with God, you can reach the whole village. They're going to go back to this house every month because they welcomed us. They showed hospitality. People walked past us glaring you know, real sense of scowl, disapproval that they let these foreigners in this place, right but before long it gave way to curiosity and then before long to smiles and interest we prayed for every member of that village a couple hundred people, every single one they brought us the nastiest things you've ever seen, varicose veins that were bigger than tennis balls I prayed for a man with elephantitis I didn't know that existed in the world anymore Uh, his knee was about this big, down to the toes, and the toes and the foot did not look like a human Dang. Uh, This would have been the place you would have thought, man, if there's any place to have a dramatic miracle, the whole village would turn. We didn't see one. We didn't. We prayed for every single person and did not see one. I left kind of curious about that And Judah got healed in the car on the way home. Uh, his eardrum was healed. Uh, that was when we left into the mountains and uh, pressurized. The Lord is capable. The Lord moves as he sees fit. Our job is to go. Our job is to tell. Our job is to give our testimony. And that, His job is to demonstrate the kingdom, and he does it how he sees fit. So I was discouraged, but God encouraged that he was healed. Uh, one week later, people from the village started calling, saying, something's happening in my life. Wow. One man in particular wants to meet with Raja. Now not just an older blind woman, but a man in the village is willing to meet with Raja because something's happened to him that he can't quite put into words. Amen. Before we move on from this, would you say that a village is worth a sacrifice? Yes. Do you think that there are six people in here that could sacrifice and pray? Raise your hand if you will pray every day for this village. David, you're one. Steve, two. How about the first six people to come down here? I have something for where I want. A, this is my Protestant version of a rosary.
3: <laughs>
0: These are little elephants. They're carved out of single pieces of wood. And uh, they came from India. Every time you see the little elephant, I want you to pray for Indra and her village because I'm going to go back and tell every one of those people that's born again. Yeah. How many times in your life do you get a chance to go somewhere where they never heard the gospel? Mm-hmm. Have somebody welcome you in their home because they're curious if what you're saying may be true. And then let you pray, not because they're accepting the Lord, but they're going to examine Him alongside their God and see who is God. All right. You're mad. You, you do that. I'm going to check on you with these elephants. It's a minor little gift, but it's something to hold you accountable to. Uh, if you are not praying daily, then we will take your elephant and give it to somebody who will pray daily. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm about. This picture that you see is average uh, tea plantation workers. Most of the ministry that we did was in front of tea plantations. Uh, the tea plantations are on the edge of the jungle. So we went there, and we also went deep into the jungle, but... This is average life uh, for these guys. All day long, every day, with a pair of scissors, they're in this position. Clipping. Everybody has corporal tunnel. Everybody has arthritis. Uh, see how heavy those bags are? Most of those people there are, are just under five feet tall. You know? And this is life. They've never seen air conditioning. Most of them do not have shoes, though you see some, uh, some sandals there. And Jesus loves them. He cares for them. They work hard every day. There are Christians in every one of these little communities we went to, and they're usually completely ostracized. Go ahead. We can move to the next one. Oh. <laughs> Those are bull elephants. They have put the women and children elephants uh, on the other side. Yeah, anybody want to stand and pray?
3: Look
2: how close the road
0: is to where they are. On the other side of the road is about a 4,000-foot ravine. And they're more than capable of throwing your car into the ravine, oh, yeah. and they do it. Uh, we were unable to go to Yanni Palum, the Valley of the Elephant. And the reason we were unable was because the elephant said no. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to go anyway. Uh, the government actually put soldiers there because when tourists are killed, it's a problem. Yeah. Uh, there are obstacles in taking the gospel around the world. When Paul said that he fought with wild animals in Ephesus, I always thought it was in a coliseum, but it may not have been. <laughs> it may have simply been going from one house to another. Because in this area of the world, to travel from one house to another is an issue. That looks like a cute little dog, doesn't it? Looks like about a 25-pound yapper. Move to the next slide. Then a second dog appeared. Next one. And then a third. And next one. And a fourth. Next one. And five and six. And we kept doing this until we had counted 16 and we realized they were calling to each other yeah. around us. Yes.
3: Oh.
0: They were examining whether or not the fat one was worth eating. <laughs> <laughs> uh, these things strip a on deer in under six minutes. Oh, Completely. Uh, they look cute. Uh, I, this is as close as I wanted to get to them. So uh, this is on the way to a tribal village.
3: What are they?
0: About? These are wild dogs, similar to the dingo. Uh, this is just an Asian version. Uh, this, uh, <laughs> this water buffalo uh, took an interest in us. The animals are interesting, and I'm not one of those weird, super spiritual people. But I can tell you in the Hindu village... Um, where there had never been a Christian, the animals were weird. And uh, this one, uh, he was—he he was interested in us. And this is not like a dairy cow. I don't—I don't know how to describe it. They're—they're um, they're not like dairy cows. They're pushy. Uh, monkeys are everywhere there. You get the impression we disturbed something, huh? <laughs> go, go <again. laughs> Beautiful spotted deer everywhere because they don't eat them. They don't shoot them. Isn't that, isn't that, the whole Snyder family ought to be mourning over that. State. <laughs> uh, this is a termite pile, an ant pile. They're everywhere. I just took. Do... Hey, hold there for a second. On this tree, anybody know what this is growing up here? What? What is it, Gabe? Pepper. This is common black pepper. It's not just black pepper. It's white pepper. White pepper and black pepper oh grow gosh. on the same time. Can't we all get along? Not wow. any. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> 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 and then where'd Larissa go?
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so they uh, run these branches right through a machine and it separates the pepper. And a red one uh, produces a black kernel and a green one produces a white kernel. Oh. And that's where we get pepper. They harvest pepper and tea in these places. You can, you can move on. I'm ready to preach. uh, What we're doing here is uh, we're feeding some of the local pastors. In India, you eat with your right hand, not your left, for reasons that Matthew will explain to you some other time. And uh, you eat on banana leaves. Go back. You eat on banana leaves because banana leaves are hygienic. They've only been used once. You Americans have a problem with your dirty plates. That's that's the theory. Uh, But listen, if there was anybody that is going to make it, in the heavenly realms with a reward, it will be these pastors. It will not be the rich guy with the silver suit and the slick back uh, 80 80-mile-an-hour haircut you see on TV claiming to be a great man of faith. Because they're going barefooted in places no one else will go, praying for people that have no hope besides them. Yeah, These are the men of valor that uh, we need to imitate. You can go ahead. <laughs> Uh, you know what this is? <coughs> it looks like a planner. It's not. You know what it is, anybody? Yeah. This is a handwritten hymnal. They don't have the money for a hymnal, so they sat with someone else's hymnal and they wrote all of the hymns. Yeah, how many would you like to worship?
3: Mm.
0: What if you had to go handwrite all of the songs for this year's worship service? Because mm. that's what they've done. That is February 11th, and they have already written the worship songs for it. How much would you have to love the Lord to do that? To do it with Bibles too. Uh, go ahead.
2: Beautiful. This is the main church in Chennai. That's why they have electricity. All of Chennai has four hours of blackout every day. Roman. You just pray it's not during the church service.
0: singing? This is so great. Yego washamba Yego Rafa, Yego Nisai. This is, this is how a Tamil speaking person is trying to say Jehovah Rafa, or more properly Yahweh Rafa. And they get their Y's and J's mixed up for all the same reasons that people can't get God's name right. His name is Yahweh and we say Jehovah problem, but in any case, they're singing the names of God as a Tamil-speaking person, but trying to speak Hebrew. Isn't that beautiful? I, I think the Lord honors that. Uh, the reason they did that song is because it was the only one that I can understand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like it's right around that corner. Thank you. So, anyway, I could do this all day. We have. Some pictures that are funny, some that are moving. Um, I really wanted to speak about us. You know, we have a responsibility in the world. If you knew that your neighbor's kids were starving, what would you do? Well, what if it was not your immediate neighbor? What if it was two houses down? Would that make a big difference for you? Now, when it's the people that you go down your driveway every day and you see, right? Brandon, you walk outside, you see them. That's something. You're going to face this problem every day. If it's two doors down, you're going to face it, you know, once a week. If it's three doors down, do you not care now? How many doors down do we have to get before it's not our problem? You understand what I'm getting at? These problems are at a distance from us, so we don't feel them. But the heartbeat of God is that, He's called them your neighbor. He has. Why don't we? Uh, why not we turn in the word? Are, are y'all up for some preaching? I've been gone a long time. I know it's been a long service already. You know, but we're gonna feed you. I mean, how cool is that? And it won't be on a banana leaf, and you don't have to eat it with your hand. And the water's already purified. So I, 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 I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, turn with me to Second Corinthians eleven. You know what? You hold in 2 Corinthians 11. Joey, you have a couple of scriptures you can throw on the screen? Put the first one up for me. Oh, my goodness. And the servants of Saul told him, saying, On this matter, spake David. Really? We don't have a modern translation. <laughs> spake David. And Saul said, Thus shall ye say to David, The king desireth not any dowry, but a hundred foreskin, foreskins of the Philistines. That is amazing. Oh, there we have an American Standard Version. Uh, to be avenged of the king's enemies. Now Saul thought to make David fall by the hand of the Philistines. And when his servants told David these words, it pleased David well to be the king's son-in-law. And the days were not expired, and David arose and went, he and his men, and slew the Philistines' 200 men. And David brought their foreskins, and they gave them in full number to the king, that he might be the king's son-in-law. And Saul gave him Michael, his Michael, his daughter, to wife. Wow, that is a crazy translation. In the NIV, what this so plainly says (laughs) is that David brought 200 Philistine, Philistine foreskins for the price of Saul's daughter, Michael, as a wife. Now, all Saul asked for was 100, but David went and got 200. He paid double. The bloody price to obtain the bride. Joy, you can move to the next one. Now Saul had given Michael his daughter, David's wife, to... Oh, wow, that's mm-hmm. another... In the NIV it says Paltiel. Here it says Paltai, the son of Laish, who was Gallium. A price was paid for Michael so that Michael could become David's wife. Twice the price. A bloody price, a difficult price. But Saul gave his daughter to another man called Paul Teal anyway. Yeah, that's yucky, isn't it? Mm. I mean, how would you feel, J.J., if you go to to Natalie's father and say, I would very much like to marry Natalie. and He says, look, what is going to cost you is the right hand of 100 men. You were so zealous for her, you went and got the right hand of 200 men. They didn't give these up willingly. You know, that's kind of a struggle. And mind you, we're not talking about hands here. <laughs> Only to find out that after paying the price, Natalie had been given to someone else. You pretty happy about that?
3: The
0: price was paid for you. The price was paid for you, a bloody price. Twice as much as you deserve. Jesus paid for you to be his bride. How it must feel to him when we're not wholly devoted to Him. But He has to share us with a false people. I know how David handled it. You can move to that next one. Oh my goodness. In 2 Samuel 3.13, what we find out is that David is coming into the entire United Kingdom. In the entire United Kingdom, we have Hebron, we have all of Jerusalem, and David is going to be enthroned. And so... Those who had been loyal to Saul, like his son Ishbosheth, his commander Abner, said, Look, uh, we see that you're coming into power. What can we do to make you happy? He said, You do not step into my presence without bringing me my bride. Don't you dare step into my presence without bringing her. So they go, they send Abner and Ishbosheth to go get her. Paltiel followed behind her like a puppy dog. And Abner turned and said, Go home. An illegitimate husband had laid claim to her. But who paid the price for her? David did. And it was very difficult for her and for Paul Field to break ties with each other. You can imagine how that must have been. Your heart gets wrapped up in things that it shouldn't. Your heart gets wrapped up in areas (laughs) that it shouldn't. But there's only one person that ever paid a price for you. He paid more than you were worth. And it was a bloody price. We need to be very careful that we do not allow ourselves to be given to someone else. And then, when the devil has got you thoroughly ensnared, and Jesus comes to set you free, when He comes and says, "I want the bride that I paid for," that we don't let these things trail behind us, talking to us all of the time, but instead we command them to go back to their home. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is the story of the church in America, and that's why I wanted to read it. We've been pledged to the bride of Christ, but we have become devoted to illegitimate husbands. We've become devoted to things that we never should have had an allegiance to in the first place. Today, the prosperity, bless me, movement has so consumed the church because the church is really about selfishness. The church is about your personal Savior, your spiritual life, your health and wealth and happiness. The church of Jesus Christ was never founded on any of these things. The church was founded upon the need to take all of those things to everyone else, not to sit back and be a spiritual safety deposit. Yeah. The reason our buildings have to be so nice, our chairs have to be so padded, everything has to be nice is because this is where our investment is. This is where we're going to reside. This is where we're going to stay. This is where we're going to meet. This is where we're going to grow. And, of course, the gospel commands us to go, not stay. So, if we were going to ask you an honest question before we get into 2 Corinthians 11, how many times could we say we've gone? Well, Eric, there was that one mission strip two years ago. Really, did we wait for mission strip? Is the, is the Great Commission a mission strip? Did Jesus say twice a year when your church organizes a mission trip that you can pay to go on and make sure there's a shopping day in it for you? Then take the gospel to all the nations? Is this what he said? It's not, is it? We're capable of more. We are. I want to tell you this happens to me every time I come back. It'll wear off in about a month and we will need Jesus to remind me. I lay down in my bed and it was so soft. For 40 days I had slept on something that resembled this carpet. And we had not one but two air conditioners going. We had the central one in the house and then the extra one that we brought in to get it just nice. In fact, even though it's near summer, I had to have a comforter to stay warm because we made the climate so cold in my room. One wasn't enough, too. I pulled Covers over me and my wife. I put all my kids. The bed's big enough to fit us all in. In fact, when I got to thinking about it, my whole household could really live in any one room in my house. Went downstairs and I got clothes out of a washing machine and a dryer. I took a shower for as long as I wanted hmm. in water that had been heated while my house was being cooled much do we need, friends, before we have enough? I have a refrigerator downstairs and one upstairs. I have a coffee maker downstairs for you and one right beside my bed. I don't have to get out of my bed to drink a cup of coffee. How much do we need? At some point, we're going to have to give an account for all that we've acquired. Was something wrong with these things? No, something becomes wrong with our hearts as we acquire these things. We think that our life has become about the abundance of our possession while we're quoting scripture that says it's not. We pay more and more to maintain all of these things while it's not our neighbor, but some number of houses away from us. They don't even have clean drinking water. Is Indra worth it? Her mama worth it. What do we have to do? I stopped to get coffee this morning, right next to a church that had to be millions of dollars to build. And I know why people go to it. They go to it because it took millions of dollars to build it. Had some interaction with the people there. The building's pretty. at some point we have to begin to deal honestly and say, is our life about His kingdom or not? Yeah. I can jump up and down. I can yell and shout. I, I preached 42 times while I was gone. Sometimes from morning till evening. I feel like I've shared everything that I know. It's the first time in my life my voice feels like it's about to go. Hmm. But when I come back here, what have you not been taught? What do you not already know? How many hundred servants have you heard in your life? How many thousands of hours? When will it be enough for us? Is that a fair question? If it's not, you can tell me. Okay, I'm not mad. I love you. I'm excited. I'm one of you. We have all the same problems, all the same. But at some point, is, when is it enough? Yeah. I want this year to be... The year that not just the leaders in the church, but the entire church, figured out how to sacrifice for other people. I really did. A healthy church cannot be based on the generosity of a few, it has to be based on the sacrifice of all, or it's not a church. Yeah. Which one of the apostles got to keep all of their comforting things? I can tell you, it's a little bit of a sacrifice to spend 40 days away from your family. I came back and my kids are taller. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dog's looking at me like, who are you? That space in the bed is mine. <laughs> but it's a drop in the bucket. It's a drop in the bucket. We have been showered and showered with things. I was going to have you turn to Corinthians 11, but I changed my mind. 2 Corinthians eleven two 2 through 4 says, I promised you to but one husband and that you would be a pure bride. Yeah. our text today is going to be Ezra. We're going to get into Ezra. Is that fair? Yes. I promised you to but one bride and that you would be pure. Does anybody want to give me a definition for pure today? Any, anybody want to tell me what you think pure is? Without blemish? Without blemish. Without blemish. Unspotted. Anybody want to have us? What you got? Unmixed with any other matter. This is what Webster says. Pure means to be unmixed with any other matter. So if Paul promised you to put one husband, who's your husband, church? Jesus. Jesus. And you can't be mixed with anybody except Jesus. If you're going to be pure, then you're unmixed with any other matter. This means that the devil may work to contaminate you. He may work to get you mixed up in other things besides Jesus, good thing he hadn't been successful in any lives in our of ours, huh? Good thing that we are completely unmixed with the world. It's all Jesus here, right? Come on, can we say that with a straight face? Can we look in the mirror and say, ha, ha, nothing worldly here. <laughs> Probably not, huh? So then we need to figure out where the mixing with the world has happened and get rid of it. Are you all in Ezra? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Look at Ezra 1. After these things had been done, the leaders came to me and said, The people of Israel, including the priests and Levites, have not kept themselves separate from the neighboring peoples with their detestable practices like those of the Canaanites, Hittites, Perizzites, Jebusites, Ammonites, Moabites, Egyptians, and Amorites. They have taken some of their daughters as wives for themselves and their sons and have mingled the holy race with the peoples around them. And the leaders and the officials have led the way in this unfaithfulness. I want to tell you that it is the same today. Leaders have led the way in this kind of unfaithfulness. We have said you can be carnal and be a Christian. You can have the Lord as your Savior without necessarily being your Lord. We said don't worry about repentance. Get in the kingdom and then repentance will happen. And this is all heresy, friends. The message is repent, the kingdom is at hand. The king's rule, the king's dominion is upon us. It's here, and we have a chance to participate in it. It will fundamentally change the globe as we know it. It will make the Lord, Lord of everything, starting with us. But it requires us to change everything about us. And what we've said is if you could just pray this little prayer... Could just repeat after me thoughtlessly, mindlessly. Just come and get your USDA stamp as Christian and you're good to go. By the way, tip us every now and then in the offering. Show up on Sundays, make us feel good about our large numbers. We'll make you feel good, you'll make us feel good, and we'll have a neat little arrangement. Except it's not the kingdom. It's not the gospel. This is not what Jesus (laughs) died to save. This is not the church that the gates of hell will not prevail against. The church is that organization which is relevant in the world. It is changing the world as we know it. It is putting the enemies of God as a footstool for his feet. It is preparing the world for the return of the head, the Messiah, to a world that has been transformed by him. That is the gospel. It's the message of the kingdom.
3: Do
0: you want the kingdom? Well, let me ask you. When we look at the world, we say what can we do about it? When we look at the problems, we say, "Oh, all those Christians, we can't do anything about it." But you can do something about your life today. Today. You can decide today that a life somewhere else is worth more than a cable bill. You care how funny it is. I don't go messing with my cable pastor. <laughs> Why? We're not going to be mixed with the world, right? i got to tell you something that's just shocking to me. I got to India, and I can't breathe. Okay? I'm not a little weak-hearted daffodil, but you just cannot breathe there. The diesel particulate is so thick in the air, Bob, that it'd be like you went to Thrustmaster, shut all the doors, and left the engine running. It's exactly what it's like. You go, and you can feel it. You take a shower and go wipe your forehead off after the shower. And it's on the towel. You wash your clothes and hang them up. And they have diesel on them within two hours. That's just how it is in Chennai. It's shocking to the senses. But when you lean over and talk to an Indian, right? Or a man from India, Matthew. (laughs) And you say, so, uh, man, how do you feel about the pollution? He goes, oh, yeah, I guess there's a little pollution. You know why? He was raised in it. He grew up in it. He didn't he didn't notice it as any different from any other day. Because it's all he's ever been in. Of course, if you take that same man and you put him on the plane with me, and we come back and we just walk into the West, we could start in Germany, but let's just say for the United States, it's, or for our sake, it's here. He's not going to know this diesel particulate, but his senses are going to be assaulted. You know what he's going to be assaulted with? The lascivious nature, the completely sensual, self-gratifying, decadent nature of our country. We have half-naked people on all of our billboards. We have advertisements for dog food that show people cutting up filet mignon and carrots and the best of vegetables for their dog. He's going to find that completely repulsive. He's going to feel about this environment like we feel about the diesel particulate in the air. You know how I know that? Because it's how I feel when I come back. But after a month or two, I'm like, Oh, no, I didn't notice. Turn on the TV for the first time in 41 days. Mm -hmm. I have 300 and some odd channels in my house. (laughs) I could not find on a Saturday morning a single program that did not have to do with reshaping a woman or man's body. I could not find a single program that was not full of things that are unheard of in Hindu Hmm. India. But we're a Christian nation. We're based on the gospel. Guys, the Hindus would not show on television what we show on our television. And where did I see all of those programs? In the house of a pastor. Because we've grown up around it. It's not shocking to our senses, is it? So I began thinking to myself, why do I pay? Now, what do you tell people you pay for cable? Come on now, tell the truth. What do you tell people you pay for cable? Oh man, I just, I got the smallest package. Mine's $50. Of course, when you look at the bill, somehow or another it's always more than $50. We underestimate how much we pay for TV. We (coughs) underestimate how much we watch TV, and at the same time, we overestimate how much time we pray and read the Word. It's an amazing disparity that happens. I'm not preaching against TV today. I'm telling you that being out of the environment for 40 days and coming back in, I'm disgusted. But I know good and well, because I've done this three times to this country, not to mention the others. I know good and well in a month, I won't even notice it anymore. You know the expression, strike while the iron's hot? Maybe we need to strike while the iron's hot, friends. We've mingled the holy race of God with common things, detestable things. Detestable things. When I heard this, I tore my tunic and cloak, pulled the hair from my head and beard and sat down a When is the last time you got mad enough to pull your hair out? When is the last time you were so disgusted by what you see going on around you that you tore your clothes and cried? You said, my God, we are guilty. My God as a nation. We are guilty as a family. We are guilty. And we need your forgiveness. We need your help, Lord. Redirect our priorities. We don't do this. And we don't do it in our churches. Instead, we come to church to hear that we're pretty good people. Living in a pretty alright way and going to a church that we know is better than the other churches that are around us. That's why we gather. That's the truth. I don't like it any more than you do. But it is the truth. So what are we going to do about it? He mourned over the condition of his nation. But he didn't stop there. Look what else he did. That's where you we got. I'm sorry, Ezra 9. When I heard this, I tore my tunic, this is verse 3, and cloak, and pulled hair from my head and beard and sat down of old. Then everyone who trembled at the words of God of Israel gathered around me. Trembled at the words of the God of Israel. Now come on. What is the golden rule? To do unto others, come on, Natalie. To do unto others... As you would have them do unto you. That's the word of who? Natalie? It's the word of God. How many of you tremble when it's spoken though? I know I don't. I hear it spoken, I think, that's right. (laughs) You know when you tremble? Realize you're not doing it. But we think that we're hearing it has made us okay. Knowing it has made us okay. Can we say that we are really doing for other people as much as you're doing for yourself? Could you say that? Could anybody in the room say that? We do for ourselves everything we want, and then if something's left over, out of guilt to make ourselves feel better, we do something for someone else. I'm not going to ask you about Christmas time this year at your house. When is the last time you spent as much on a child that Jesus knew but you did not know as you spent on any one of your kids? Our church this year went for Christmas to Mexico. And that was awesome. That's a start. But what makes Christmas a special month, December a special month? When do our lives change to the point where we're living to see the kingdom of God? We live to go to church, we live to worship, we live to gather. But do we live to see the kingdom advance? As long as it doesn't affect us too much. These people are trembling at His word. Trembling. At the words of the God of Israel, they gathered around me because of this unfaithfulness of the exiles, and I sat there appalled until the evening sacrifice. How many children are murdered every year in our country before they leave the womb? It's a holocaust happening all around us. Could you describe yourself as appalled? Think about what appalled is. Appalled is what David was when he realized the woman that was to be his wife was given to another man. And they had had their own version of a honeymoon. That was appalled. He was mad enough to say, I won't even unite this kingdom without killing every one of you unless you bring her to me. That was appalled. You know what we say? Everybody feels differently about these things. We all have our own opinion. Let's let's, let's not cause controversy. It's just a life. Yeah? Is it any wonder we don't care about the kids in India? We don't care about the kids that are being thrown in trash cans here. You do. You do, care. I know that you do. Because you're just like me. And when presented with an opportunity in front of you, something that you can see, you will act. So what the devil does is he keeps us distracted so that we don't see the opportunity. We don't have the chance. Instead, we're always looking inward to what we need, what it takes to get through this day. You know what else changes in your vocabulary if you spent 40 days outside the country and somewhere that's third world? You don't come home and say, I'm starving. Could you fix me something to eat? That word just sticks in your throat in a different kind of way. How many hundred restaurants will you pass between here and your house? See, we have so much. We're the rich young man. We have so much. What are we going to do with it? He who's been given much, much is? Required. Much is asked. Much is begged for. Much is required. required. How about that? Then at the evening <laughs> sacrifice I rose from my self abasement. We wait for God to abase us. We don't abase ourselves. See, if what we did was we saw this situation, we said, if Jorge said today, Lord, I don't want to live my life for me anymore. It's no longer about my comfort. If Tara said today, Lord, show me this moment one thing that I can do, and I will be faithful for the rest of my life to always do at least that one thing that you show me, we would be abasing ourselves. But instead... We wait till our world has come apart all around us of our own doing. And then say, I don't know how I got in this boat. I always tried to raise my kids right. What's that? mean? We quote the promises of the scripture. The word says, if I raised him right, he'll return. He'll never go out of the way. How did you raise him right? Huh?
3: Mm-hmm. How?
0: Well, I took him to church. You mean the blessing group? Why do you take it in the mission field? Does he see you praying for and feeding other people? I mean, if we only take care of our own kids, how are we any better than any Hindu? You understand what I'm getting at? I'm not trying to shame you. I'm trying to say, church, we have to go in some different direction than any you have lived in other countries in the world. Everywhere it's not like you. They don't Go get Larissa. She lived in the Ivory Coast everywhere. This is not the world. Our world that is around us is not the whole world. Did Jesus (coughs) die for the U.S.? This is not all there is. Because this is all there is. I got into a perfectly padded, perfectly air-conditioned car. I saw on 90 cc, This would be like the entire Snyder family on one 90cc motorcycle. You know what? They didn't look oppressed. They did not look unhappy. They didn't seem as if they were renting their garments and crying out to the heavens, Why, oh God, have you made me so poor that I ride upon this? Because it's all they ever had. And it's enough. But if we don't have a car for every member of the house with the driver's license. Yeah. Do you understand
1: what I'm getting at? Yeah.
0: I'm not saying pick about poverty tomorrow. I'm not saying go throw all your stuff away. But I'm also not saying absolve yourself of the responsibility to wrestle with it. You should wrestle with this. You should look into the face of what is kept can anybody define decadence? Any the single people? It's marked by... Dec- Go ahead, Brandon. Right? It's marked by decay or decline and is also characterized by extreme self-indulgence. Do we have a decadent society? Are we in a state of decline? No. The places Christianity has been longer than here, where is that? Y'all tell me. What's a country that's had Christianity longer than the U.S.? Germany, All of Europe, actually. Right? Did you know that you can walk down a street in Amsterdam and you can see people as beautiful as some of you standing in windows for rent? No different than a tool at Home Depot. Jennifer and I stood there, weeping in our very spirit as we watched a man ride a bicycle up to a window, tap on the glass. The glass opens. A woman in lingerie is negotiating. How low do you have to be to put yourself in a window? How low must you feel when the man decides you are not worth the price you're asking? You got on his bike and rode to the next window. Some women were as old as 50 and some were as young as young teens. They were for sale in Christian Europe. For sale. you know what tourists were doing? Taking pictures and laughing. I had to go to church on Sunday, too. I read one woman's post. She ranked them according to who was at list. I put them on her post on Facebook. This is what we do with human suffering. What makes a life worth rescuing? Do you have to know Do they have to be one street away? Two streets away? (laughs) At what point does the life become not worth rescuing? Is it two blocks? A mile? You see what we're saying? At some point, this has got to impact us. It is impacting Ezra. He's tearing his hair out. He's wrenching his clothes. He's calling for fasting and prayer. Oh my God, I am too ashamed and disgraced to lift up my face to you. My God, because our sins are higher than our heads, and our guilt has reached to the heavens. Nobody likes to think of ourselves this way. How do you feel about the generation that stood by while Hitler rose to power? Come on now. You tell me the truth. What do you think about the church in Europe that watched six million Jews get burned and said, we didn't even notice. I I smelled a body lit on fire in India this trip. We were standing in a place where they were cremating human beings. And I have to tell you, you cannot not notice it. It's a smell I will never forget. What do you think of the church? Disgusting. We have any other words? Cowardly. Any others? Blinded. Come on, y'all tell the truth. This is, this is not sage on the stage. You get a chance to talk to me. Deceived. Callous. Lazy, come on, help me. What do you think about people that stand by while six million Jews are burned alive? We quote Dietrich Bonhoeffer. We quote these men who said something, who did something, but what about the masses who did nothing? What do you think about them? CJ, what do you think about them? Selfish. So what are we going to say when a generation looks back and says... In the city with the largest church in the United States Do you realize that Houston has the largest church in the United States in it stones throw away is the largest abortion clinic in the United States what are we going to say what are we going to say to a generation that calls us into account and says Your little 200-year reign in history, your nation had more than any nation on the planet had ever had at any time. More freedom, more access, more ability to get the gospel anywhere in the world. And what did you do with it? You made yourself rich. What are we going to say? Do you really think that people in history will not look back at us? We're so consumed with the fact that there could be a rapture at any minute. So consumed with the escapist kind of just get me the hell out of here mentality that we don't even care. It's the epitome of selfish. God put us here so that His will would be done on earth the same way as it is in heaven. Is that not what Jesus taught us to pray? So do we pray it or do we do it? Are you you feeling me now? Y'all want me to leave again? No. No. I, I, look, I understand if you do. There are things that once you know, you just you don't go back. I don't like to do electrical work with Matthew. I don't. Matt knows everything there is to no know about electricity, and that's not the problem. It's not. I love his expertise. The problem is, is he knows what electricity can do to you if you don't do it right. I live in an ignorant bliss about such things. I feel no need to go lock out and tag out breakers. I feel no need to double check things twice. I would rather just not know about all that than for expedient's sake get the job done more quickly. But Matthew is burdened with a knowledge that has changed the way he behaves around electricity. He knows it will stop your heart. He knows that it can be absolutely lethal. So his actions around everything electrical are different than mine. Because there's no going back for me. My actions will always be different around these things now. Do you have to travel to have that happen? Why did God give you a pastor? I mean, isn't that a fair question? The scripture says you have the Holy Spirit. In some places it infers that you need that no one teach you. So why then have a pastor? What does Ephesians 4, 12 through the end of the chapter tell you is the purpose of a pastor? My job is to stir you to action. Your job, in the carnal sense, is to refuse to be stirred. To sit on your hands and say, I'm pretty good, just like I am. I have a Christian bumper sticker. I have a Christian t-shirt. I listen to only Christian music. They don't curse, drink, or smoke. Jesus is happy with me. And none of those things are even remotely a part of the gospel. Not one. Not one. Not, not one of those things is mentioned as something a Christian does or does not need to do in the Word. But they define us. They define us because we lack the means to define ourselves by the acts of Christ. Are you hearing me? One of the things I found strange is that in a jungle in India, I needed to wear a long sleeve shirt to preach. Where'd they get that idea? They would never earned a long sleeve shirt. In fact, the tribes were topless before missionaries got there. Why do I have to wear a long sleeve shirt to preach in 110 degree weather in the middle of a jungle where the people milk snakes for a living? Because somebody told them this is how Christians behave. Are you hearing me? We've defined ourselves with all the wrong standards. Verse 8. But now for a brief moment, the Lord our God has been gracious in leaving us a remnant and giving us a firm place in a sanctuary. And so our God gives light to our eyes and a little relief in our bondage. Though we are slaves, our God has not deserted us in our bondage. Americans never think of themselves as slaves, but John 8 says you are a slave if you sin. John 8, 31 says to the Jews who believed in him, he said. And then he goes on to have the most scathing report of slavery that you can have. We all believe in Jesus and we're excited about that. What we do with our daily lives will show whether we're a slave or not. Are you free to help anybody he tells you to help? Are you free to take the gospel anywhere he tells you to take it? Are you free to do whatever he says to do? Everybody would quickly say yes And until we say, ready, go. And then what happens? But uh, I have to make a living. But uh, I don't know how I'm going to pay these bills. But uh, I have all these things and God wants me to have them too. So are we slaves or are we free? So Eric, what is it that you're advocating? We always kind of want the bottom line, huh? Couldn't you just take all this and boil it down to a sentence for me that tells me what to do? No. No, I'd say you should personally wrestle with the Lord about what this means for you. So, well, we'll also get rid of people and then we'll feel better about ourselves. Why? If you replace it with something else, you ever seen a young man fast from TV <coughs> and become addicted to an Xbox? Yeah. Well, yeah, you all almost act like you've seen that before. <laughs> See, I'm not talking about aestheticism. Okay, I don't want you to wear a burp sack, beat yourself with a whip, and go uh, carry a cross up and down this road and tell everybody how holy you are. I want you to care about another human being as much as you care about yourself. I want you to show it in your actions. I want us to act like the kingdom is actually here, and we literally believe that the Lord is present <coughs> in our circumstances and rewarding us for every selfless thing we do. So we're discovering them every day in fistfuls, Not once or twice a year, and especially then. <coughs> Are you here? Yes. Let's finish this. But now for a brief moment, we read that and it's granted us, oh yeah, verse 9. Though we are slaves, our God has not deserted us in our bondage. He has shown us kindness in the sight of the kings of Persia. He has granted us new life to rebuild the house of God and repair its ruins. Come on now, does anybody need a new life? Let's just for a moment, let's just suppose that you don't die 25 years from now. What would be more common? How about 15? No, that won't make an impact. If you have 15 years left, you're going to live exactly the way you do. What if you had 15 days left? 15 days, is that enough time? Elizabeth, what would you do with 15 days? About
3: 15
0: days. I have 15 days left to make my mark on the earth. How would you live? 15 days, Jacob? 15 days to make your mark on the earth. 15 days, keeping. Let me ask you, who would not do something different with those 15 days that you did with the last 15 days? Is there anybody in here that if you only had 15 days left would live those 15 days exactly like you lived the last 15 days? What would you do? Would you run to some relatives and get things right? Would you? Would you begin selling things, looking for any way you could to do something kind for somebody else so that somebody might remember you after you're gone? Mm-hmm. It's funny. People become philanthropists you know, on their deathbeds. Oh, yeah. How, is there anybody in here that is guaranteed that you have more than 15? No. Yeah. I was doing backflips on the diving board with my daddy. 37 days later, I buried him. You're not guaranteed 15 days. But you all just said if you only had 15 left, you'd live them differently. Well since you don't know, how about we just start? Let's just get to the heart of the matter. But if I do that, see Eric, if I only had 15 days left, then I have what I need to pay for those 15 days. See. Eric, if I sold things on his because I wouldn't need them, I only had 15 days. This is why I could be incredibly generous. This is why I could be selfless. This is why I could be servant. What we want to do is we want to live without any faith. The reason we don't do those things now is because as long as we keep all of it accumulated for ourselves, we don't really have to trust God for anything. Of course, Jesus said it's pagans who run after all of those things. Your father knows you need them. Seek first the kingdom. We all can quote that scripture, but who can confidently say, I'm living it? Seek first the kingdom. You want to know whether you're living for kingdom or material things? When's the last time you risked everything that you have materially for the kingdom? You think that's the work of pastors, don't you? You think it's me that should put my house on the line? You think it's me that should put my family on the line? Me that should walk away from jobs and throw myself at the king's feet, but not you. Of course, we're a kingdom of priests, aren't we? When it comes down to it, is there a difference between you and me? Well, you're pretty and I'm ugly. That's the difference. Other than that, functionally, there's no difference. I know this is not the kind of preaching that builds churches. It's the kind that empties them. But I think you're a special group. I want to take the AI. Fight. I want to rebuild the kingdom. I want to go out and spend myself for the gospel. I do. While there's still strength enough to do it, I want to spend myself for the gospel. You know why? There'll be a day when it's night and no man can work. I know that if I point Mike Hutchinson in the right direction, he's going to do it. You know that. God brought him here for that reason. I know it. I know most of you have good intentions. But you know what the road is paved with, huh? When will we be able to stand back and go, Jesus, I did that for you. Because it is a good feeling. missed three birthdays, three hospital visits, three hospital stays of immediate family members. My whole family got the flu. Traveled more than 40,000 kilometers in 11 countries. Got to finance it with my own little golden calf. My truck was stolen. It was like killing the golden calf. And I can look back and say, Jesus, it's only 40 days. And they may not define me, but I lived those 40 days well. I want to do it again. And I believe he will show me how to do here what we did there. Because it's about the kingdom. Is there anybody (laughs) that would like to live the next 40 days well? But now, O our God, what can we say after this? For we have disregarded your commands. You gave through your servants the prophets when you said the land you are entering to possess is a land polluted by the corruption of the peoples. By the detestable practices they have filled it with impurity from one end to the other. Therefore, do not give your daughters in marriage to their sons and do not take your daughters for their sons. Do not seek a treaty of friendship with them at any time. I think it's time to break our treaties of friendship with the world I think it's time to take a hard look at our children And say I know you love these things But I love the Lord And your job is to do exactly what I tell you to do Because you're under 18 and you live in my house And I simply say no And throw it away You know why? Because you're their mom and dad Not their friends yeah. I think it is probably time we break our treaties with the world and we take our stand in the workplace. We said, you know, I've laughed at your jokes because I didn't want you to feel uncomfortable, but now I'm willing for you to be uncomfortable rather than offend my king for your sake. Amen. I think it is time that we take our stand and break the unspoken treaties that we've had with everybody around us that says, you know... I'm a Christian, but I'm going to sit here quietly and live my life dimly so as not to affect or offend anyone. You know, the Christians in India risk something every day to be a Christian. Every day. In Sri Lanka, there are less than 5% of the population. I was preaching a men's meeting, and one of the pastors came over and go... tiptoeing through the tulips here. Why keep my voice down? Of course, I've never been in a meeting where they will come with canes and beat the tar out of every person there. And he had. It. Why keep your voice down? Because he was trying to determine whether it was worth it. Couldn't we be just as anointed and a little quieter? <laughs> was the purpose to wake up the neighbors and the purpose to wake up these people. And on that day it was to wake up the people. But in this country, I think our purpose is to wake up ourselves and our neighbors. You hear me? This was a man who was appalled at the state of things. He was appalled enough to tear his clothes, rip out his hair, call his friends, and say, We are guilty up to here. Not those people out there are guilty. We personally are. You know who had not taken a foreign bribe? Ezra. You know who had not intermingled with the the holy race with the unholy? Ezra. But you know who was repenting and tearing his hair out over it? Ezra. Because he cared about the kingdom. See, I want us to care about the kingdom enough to act personally, act now, to act no matter what it costs us. Do not seek a treaty of friendship with them at any time. Why? That you may be strong and eat the good things of the land, and leave them to your children as an everlasting inheritance. It's funny, I was preaching in one of the churches that is a fired-up church, and nearly every person in the room came to the altar and grieved and repented. And I know as a pastor exactly what that feels like. He thought he was doing pretty good until he saw that. you hear me? He was a little concerned. He said, Pastor, praise God. This is not an endorsement that you're failing. This is an endorsement that you're succeeding. They responded. I can't tell you the last time in America we had the kind of enthusiasm to repent that I saw almost every day there. We have enthusiasm that we get blessed, enthusiasm that we get healed, enthusiasm that the Holy Ghost will give us shivers and whatever else. Not enthusiasm to repent. This is a man who's going to get it done this day. What has happened to us is the result of our evil deeds and our great guilt. And yet, our God, you have punished us less than our sins deserve. If there's anything that I could say is that God has been merciful to all of us, He has not given us what we deserve. He has put up with our infatuation with the world. Our in infatuation with the materialism. Our in infatuation with Paul Teal. But today I think he said, Tell him to go home. You are mine. You are mine. So I have a question. Matthew, y'all come up here. Do you want to be used by him?
3: Matthew.
0: Who in the church wants to be used by him? So the three or four of you that have your hands down, why do you not want to be used by him? Or do you just refuse to respond in the church setting? See, we're small enough. I will come get you out of the chair. I want to know. I want to know. Do you want to be used by Him? Raise your hand if you want to be used by Him. Let's be proud. Every hand in the room is up. We want to be used by Him. Now the next question. Are you willing to do what it takes? See, because what it takes is a reckless abandonment of concern for yourself. We have to begin to care more about everyone else than ourselves and trust that our God loves us enough to meet our needs without us fighting every day to meet our own needs. This is what it takes. The way that this will show up in your life is the Lord will begin to show you what to put at risk. Yeah, with every investment, what is there? Risk for a rate of return, isn't there? And the greater the risk, what is supposed to be greater? The return. What are you risking for the kingdom? What is daring in your life for the kingdom? You have tax returns coming, some of you. Some of you, more money than you paid in will come back to you. Isn't that amazing? We've heaped up our sins to the limit. I make no money, right? Almost none. Praise God, all of our bills are met. I paid $10.32 in federal income tax this year. That was my net, net tax burden. I will receive back more than I paid in. That's not fair. I'm sorry to all of you people that make more money because I'm stealing it from you with the aid of the federal government. What's happened? I'm sorry. But I have a choice when that check arrives. What I did not work for, what is being handed to me really is a form of bribery for a vote. I can choose to use for the kingdom. I can choose to feed somebody with I can choose to do something noble with it, but let me ask you, when you realize a chunk of money is coming your way, where do your thoughts go? Mm -hmm. I've had this bed a long time. I've wanted one of those big TVs. I mean, mine is just not usable. It's so big. Now they're thin and flat and hang on the walls like, I have to have one of those. You know where your thoughts go. Say no, I will not make a treaty with the world. I don't need the things that they need. I don't want their garbage. I want to have a legacy that lived for the kingdom of God. You have a chance. You get to make investments. I'm not passing an offering plate. I'm telling you in your life, you will get to decide what to risk. If I do this, I don't know how I will do whatever else you want to do. That's called risk for a rate of return. What is your return? Lord is with you. you are proud of what you've done. So really, the Lord wants me to be broke. No, the Lord wants you to be rich in faith and you cannot trust in your own arm and trust in him. Amen. That's it. When's the last time you were persecuted for the kingdom? Raise your hand if this month you've been hit. Hit, slapped, punched, pushed for the gospel. I wasn't trying to ask a silly question. Maybe we'll get some with this. Have you been cursed at in the last month? Somebody said to you foul expletives because of your witness and no other reason. Amen. Three of us. You see how hard we have to work to find persecution in our country? Maybe we could turn it up a notch. It doesn't seem that we risk that much didn't show you pictures of women that were beaten every time they went to church but do not miss church I put one of them on Facebook some of you saw it I couldn't say why her husband beats her beats her every time she attends church she has not missed church in years she's not going to she's also not planning to kill her husband (laughs) she's praying believing that God will change him because he's an unbeliever He's willing to live with her. He just doesn't want her to go to church. It's the only thing she's disobedient. We're not risking that much. What would happen if we turned up that dial from, dare I say, a one or two, to a nine or ten? What if every week somebody were cursing out the three people in here? What if every week? Well, then we might know what it means in Matthew 5 where it says, Blessed are you when men revile and persecute you for the kingdom's sake. We might know what it means to be blessed. See, I'm saying, let's turn up the dial a little bit. We're well fed. We're well informed. We're well financed no matter what you think. If you want to argue that point, the poorest person in here, I will argue it with you. We're well financed no matter what you think. We're well fed. We're well educated. Why don't we turn up the dial? Well, because we like things the way they are. I'm going to pray that God make you uncomfortable. I am. In this church, I'm going to pray that God afflict the comforted and comfort the afflicted. You want to know what your pastor's praying for personally? I'm praying for thorns and briars to be in your backside if you're sitting on your salvation because the Lord of glory has invested in you a great risk because he wants a return That's what I'm going to be praying for. I'm going to pray that when three people are being cursed out in the church, they have ten people standing beside each one of them. I'm going to pray that our lives are relevant. I don't want history to pass me by. You want to miss your moment, Mario? I don't believe you do. Tara, are you willing to be a little bit unpopular for Jesus? Well, I've been unpopular for things that weren't Jesus. Why not? Why not? We're going to go eat together. We're going to fellowship. And I'm going to have leadership meetings later today. We're going to encourage you to go to Faith Fundamentals. I'll stuff you with the Word. Is there anybody in here that thinks that I will not teach the Word as long as you listen? As long as you listen. I found out we have more padded chairs. I said I can preach more Natalie. I didn't read you as much of the Word today as I normally do. Right? One, make a point. We are prepared for this. We just have to do it. Clementina, don't wait. Jan, don't wait. Don't wait for something to get right before you start. Start and let everything else get right. Yeah? If you have your little financial situation set up on AutoPay, which the church does appreciate, if I'm honest. It's nice to know that things are coming. There's a problem with all of this, though. We put our lives kind of on cruise control. Pretty good, I'm all right. It's all squared away. It's all taken care of. I'm trying to shake us around and say, what if it's not all right just like it is? What if you could go further? What if you could work harder? What if you could do more? Is that a fair question? If you don't, who will? If Ray doesn't do it, Who does God have to raise up to do it? Is He going to raise Him up because He's smarter than right? More finance than right? What is it? He's going to find somebody who's obedient. Who wants to be in the obedient crowd? Let's stand to our feet. We're going to worship a little bit. Then we're going to dismiss. We're going to go in there. I'm going to stay at the altar and pray for people. I know that we could... Just move along. I know that we can just move right along and forget all about this. How many Sundays have you thought you would do something, and then Monday came around, you realize I didn't do it, and enough time goes by and you don't care anymore because uh, it doesn't <coughs> hurt. You don't feel it. We just move on to the next sermon, the next subject, the next time. I bought Judah a deer rifle a few years ago. That was an investment. An investment to kill Bambi. <laughs> then we decided we needed a scope. And we didn't like the scope we bought. So we needed another scope. Y'all feeling me over here? And I had to go to the range. Then we had a gunsmith. Tweak it. And I had to go back to the range. Then, of course, I had to buy a strap. You invest in things you're passionate about. <coughs> you will. You will do whatever it takes to get what you really want. We need to decide what we really want. I've done anything to get Jennifer when we were teenagers. Anything. What can you not live without? Jesus, dropped something in your heart. It's worth going after. That's the kingdom. You sell everything you have to. No matter what it costs. Coming to Sugar Land was like that for me. I left the most prosperous job I had ever had. I left the most prestigious position I had ever been in. I left believers that I cared very much about that I thought were completely dependent upon me. I got into a car and drove to a place where I did not know a single person because God cared about you. Now he's given me back everything I ever lost and more. And you breathe a sigh of relief and hope you don't have to do it again. And that's our way of thinking. But the kingdom is always doing it again. Always. Every day. Daily. Losing something for him. Crucified we worship. If you want prayer, come to the altar. At some point during the worship, we're going to take the Lord's communion together. You want to talk about (coughs) obligation upon obligation? Cody, what's the meal represent? What did he give to obtain you? Everything. What does he ask you to give for his kingdom? made that promise and now we're calculating it again aren't we Angelique have you made that promise have you taken the Lord's communion Ethan you you made that promise have you See, we've already committed to him everything now we're just negotiating whether we're going to be good to our word or not that's what we're really doing and we do it every day We've already promised it to him, but now we're negotiating whether we're actually going to be good to our work. Let's worship and find out if we're good to our work.
2: into your heart. You are showing me that I can see it clearly. Sense of destiny change from everything around. Take me by the hand and show me what you're planning. I want to be a part of your desire. Show me what's the future, I want to leave a mark the history, I want to be used by you. of destiny, change from everything around. Take me by the hand, show me what you're Stand for purity And what's pleasing to your heart You are showing me I can see it clearly Loops of destiny Change from everything around Take me by the hand Show me what your plan Die.
0: miracles when we start to trust God in extraordinary ways come on who can quote Philippians
3: 4.13
0: I can do everything through Christ Jesus who strengthens Everything, everything there is nothing that you can't do church nothing the Lord of glory has put unlimited power at your disposal to do his will. We can look at blind eyes and see them restored. We can see ruptured eardrums drums come back to normal. If there is nothing. I believe you got a new start today. I do. I want to encourage you in front of all these people. This is a family. And as far as I'm concerned, you're a part of it. I want to see you back. I want to see you back because God is building something in you. Your life's not going to be wasted. It's not. It has a purpose. I don't know if anybody ever told you that, but your life has a purpose. God prepared things in advance for you to do. Nobody else can do it. They're just for you. It's like you're a specialist. Yeah. A specialist in God's will. Yeah. I will teach you how to do those things. These men will walk with you. They will teach you. They will show you that. You don't get this kind of free on the job training very often. We we'll give you all. Be man enough to show back up. Hallelujah. Amen. Do whatever it takes. Come hell or high water. Roll versus wave. We swim. Whatever it takes. <laughs> get here. Okay? Y'all want to take communion together? Yes. yes.